0: Hey everybody, it's Eric from Barrel and Hatchet here at Hatchet Cast, and I have an awesome guest with me, Risky Krisky, as you guys may know him from YouTube and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, uh, life is uh, living on the edge, n- the nuclear edge, if you want to say that. Freaking, oh uh, gosh, but uh, yeah, man. We actually, so for those who don't know, we actually did a recording. This is our second take on uh, this episode, so. Trying to see if this recording will come through, but I think it'll be fine. But, uh, dude, so a lot has happened since you and I last talked on the episode that nobody heard. But what are your thoughts about current events? Let's do a quick recap
1: on, uh, you know, where's the world headed? Like, the uh, the news cycle's moving so fast these days, I feel like. Mm. Just the pace in which beforehand stories would you know they'd be on the news for a few days or a week and now it's just every single day uh, a critical advancement towards what I see as bad you know collision course type events taking place um, it just reinforces the fact that we got to be prepared and kind of keep our uh, eye on the prize as far as making it through whatever is about to happen because none of us know for sure.
0: What are some ways, I was kind of thinking about this before this past week, I mean, what are ways that you or I or we as individuals or as a community can kind of utilize a filter, like a filtering process through the propaganda that comes from every asset and every aspect? Like, what could we use to kind of delineate and sort of find the truth through all the fog of propaganda?
1: Um, it's, I just kind of look at it as who's benefiting, who gains the most. Um, and, and whatever's being pushed, right? If I see it on all the the TV news stations yeah. um, all at the same time, that kind of, it's like a, like a, little, a magician's trick, right? They're going to have you look over here and the sleight of hand's going on somewhere else. Um, so it's either that or it's they're pushing whatever it is so far uh, that they want to blindly just, or, or they want to put the blinders on, if you will, so you only see that one event. And... I think you can go just find alternate media is one easy one, right? Like go find a channel on Telegram or like that's what I use at least, um, and it'll have like maybe a few moderators or something where they filter you critical news stories that matter. Um, mm. That I think that is better than having to go through, you know, go on a website, then go on YouTube, then. It's it's like a full time job, man. Just even yeah. being aware of what's going on. So for the average guy, I'd say go find something trusted that's not in your typical Facebook or Twitter feed and and have a couple of a couple of those, right? Have a backup somewhere else and that's what I do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I also I agree, like I, I would look at like back backdoor channel, like small, I would call a hole in the wall type journalists. Um you know, those smaller guys that aren't very big, but are putting out information that's really detailed. Um, and like, same as you, like if I see every single mainstream news outlet is spinning the same narrative, I usually go, okay, that's the BS flag. Like, especially if it's, you know, the consistent ones that are always linked together. They always happen to have their, you know, their narrative, you know, it's said the exact same way, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like an event. Like, if there's an event, that's pretty standard for everybody to be reporting on it. But like, everyone's like, "Oh, you know, the Putin price hike." Yeah, and the Putin price hike, and also about this, the Putin price hike. And I'm like, okay, so like, obviously, I can tell this is something that's being spun, not, keywords. not for, yeah, exactly, not advocating for Putin. I'm just saying, looking for those keywords that every single entity is saying in the exact same way. Um, is an easy way to kind of spot that for me, but uh, you know, some what some of those channels that are smaller. Or do you have any that you recommend that you that you like to follow specifically that folks could could follow? Or so I check can out? go
1: through. Like I have a pretty simple news routine that I do. Um, it might be a little controversial for some, but I I watch um, all well as long as the the sub the title of the video seems something that I'm even moderately interested in i'll watch tim pool because he right. does a couple of videos a day and uh, he gives a good perspective and he's always going to talk about something important that's currently happening and you can always follow up because he has like a, a live show at night and i don't watch the live show but it'll do clips and so you can catch their commentary as well so that with a little healthy dose of alex jones and salty cracker and then a dabbling <laughs> of patriots.win and yeah. uh just the, wiping my floor or wiping my face on the floor on twitter all the time yeah. that's kind of mm. what i do yeah i mean dude tim Pool's is awesome alec like,
0: because he tries to stay middle of the line um but there's also sometimes i like to also see you know i think you have some of those guys though that seem like you know on the far side it's like hey i don't believe any single conspiracy theory or any type of theory outside of like nope, there is no secret, there is no hidden closet, there is no hidden agenda, you know, the, it's at face value, it is what it is. And that's good, but at the same time, I'm also like, well, you kind of. there's a lot of stuff happening behind the curtains, as we know, there's a lot of uh, shadow games that happen. So you kind of have to, I will go through and I'll look at, um, you know, things like Tim Pool, just like you said, or I'll watch um, somebody on the other extreme, you know, and sometimes I'll even go and look at like, hey, what's the opposition saying? Like, what are they what are they pushing? Um, for example, like, this is purely example. Like, if I was trying to figure out what the heck's going on, let's say, in Ukraine, right? And obviously, you're seeing a lot of these journalist agencies that are supporting Ukraine, they're only showing that perspective. But then you go and look at U- RT, you know, and, and the Russian side, what are they saying? And then you kind of finding the middle ground between the two, you know, because every rumor has a sliver of truth, so... Um, Like with that, if you don't mind me interjecting here, absolutely good. it's
1: it's perfect. That's a perfect uh, topic for like the Russia, Ukraine thing. So I'm in the point where I'm sort of, and I have no dog in the fight. I I want to stay out of it, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I understand the Russian position more and Mm -hmm. knowing the corruption that I can see that the United States is involved itself in with Ukraine and it not being in NATO, but we're treating it like it is kind of by default. And I'm like, I look at that, and I have to force myself sometimes, like on these Telegram channels. and I say Telegram because a lot of that's not censored, right? Um, so there's a lot of combat footage and things like that, and so I'll literally have to go and and watch both sides for it, just because sometimes you get in your own head, and I'm like, man, these guys are absolutely on the wrong side. And you go, and it's like, these are still people. This is still mm. a war going on, whether we like it or we think it's all propaganda or whatever. That there's still stuff happening there. Right. so that is it's a real event going on and that could very well you know happen to us at some point mm. yeah
0: absolutely i mean i think um do you think that some of that footage because yours even you know some of that combat footage or whatever um there's even like green screen stuff coming out or things from like virtual reality gaming that almost looks real um I think it's a little bit more rare, but still that's something you have to kind of also seek through. Like, is this an actual real video that I'm watching?
1: Yeah. So like the obvious one, I mean, there's two that come to mind. There was like a tank or a couple of tanks. And then these reporters just huddled down in front of it, all trying Mm -hmm. to get the shot with the smoke. And it's like they're not even really it's not the front necessarily. It was it was all for show. And then you yeah. look at these other clips coming out and Zelensky literally getting the green screen 360 treatment for a, a hologram performance. And it's like, yeah. what,
0: what is happening? It it, it it almost kind of like, it's like, well, if you're at a green screen, then where are you really? And what is reality? And, and what's, you know, why aren't you in the streets? Why why is there this, why are you using a green screen? You know what I'm saying? Or, um, so I think those are the things like it's, not typically helping one side. It doesn't help one side when you have uh, video or things of that nature that's exposing like, okay, this is, this is fake. Um, so then you start asking, well, well, why did you fake this? And so I think the big takeaway for me when it comes to that fight is looking at the numbers of like, who's actually winning, you know? Um, and that's something that I think that we would possibly see because, if we were in that type of conflict, is a fluctuation of the numbers. Hey, you know, Ukraine's done this much damage and killed this many troops and has destroyed this many tanks. And Russia's putting out the same. It's like, okay, well, you know, there was that offensive in Kyrgyzstan. I think it was in Kherson the offensive. And Russia's claiming that, like, forty or 50,000 Ukrainian troops died in that offensive. I'm like, that's a a hefty number. Like, that's a pretty big number, (laughs) you know. That's uh, twice—
1: is no, what is it? That's ten times the amount at, that died in the G for American yeah. soldiers. That's in one offensive. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I'm just like, you know, and that can also, you know, affect morale. I think, you know, for the Ukrainians or the or the Russians, depending on what side you're on. That's like, man, are we winning? You know, if we're watching the news or we're on social media. You know, did we lose that many guys? Like, you know, I think that kind of will play a role in that type of propaganda or that type of um, media coming out to kind of sway, almost like a psyop, for an opposing side, and also perspective what the world
1: is actually seeing. Like, well, I mean, the whole thing is a psyop to to a, a point because, like, for anyone to assume that Ukraine can win, is mm-hmm. it's a fallacy. They're facing mm-hmm. a nuclear capable Russia and they're small. If he wa- if Putin wanted that, he could take it and they couldn't do anything about it. Right. That's what the nukes are for. So like yeah. he's holding back. It's all it's in my opinion at least, he doesn't want to have NATO and you know the United States meet that threat at the you know head on. He wants to right. try to get as much as he can without having to get you know the beast on his back
0: yeah do you think do you think that nato is trying to push for war or do you think it's trying to neg- negotiate for peace like you know wh- do
1: i you haven't think heard peace a single in... politician of any kind say that they want to talk about peace yeah that's crazy. i mean maybe i'm missing it but like I, I i don't want us to go to war there yeah and i feel like they are they feel like I feel like it's already been said and done that we're going to go to war, even though there's no declaration of war, even though we have no reason to go to war. Yeah, I mean, boy, it's uh, it's getting spicy,
0: especially when, you know, throwing that nuclear word around. I think that's that's something that is a we're, we're living in some kind of almost unprecedented times where if there is any time to focus on training or preparedness or readiness like now is probably the time maybe even too late like you know like things could happen at any moment so it's it's like get on the boat because
1: it's leaving the dock you better make sure that you're ready would you say it's a it's a conspiracy of some sort that our military is arguably at the Least logistically capable as far as weapon systems. Hmm. Um, not maybe I think our like our naval fleet and our submarines are what's holding or like our aircraft carriers that's holding the whole thing together. Right. So if you take that away, like our howitzer game, our stinger game, our javelin game, our MLRS, our high mars game, that's kind of like we don't have those. Uh, and I we're kicking people out. Even though they haven't taken something, right? Yeah, not going to get your podcast in trouble here, but we're still doing that, right? Like, why? Yeah. yeah, we're arguably the weakest we've been as a military, the closest to World War III we've ever been. Is that yeah. going to be a, 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 a coincidence? Are we really going to assume that that is not on purpose? Hmm. Yeah, I
0: mean, dude, I mean, it's it's almost it almost feels, and this is you know from someone who is a vet like this it feels like like sabotage like that's how it almost feels like like i'm physically crashing the ship on purpose um because there it doesn't make any sense you can't just keep you can't continue to blame like oh it's a social agenda oh it's for whatever you know i'm saying like at a certain point it's like yeah but you're also not an idiot like you got stars on your collar you're yes you may be a politician but you're not an idiot And so either, sometimes it just feels like deliberate sabotage because it's, you're doing everything that you shouldn't be doing when it's time. If you're talking about going to war, then, you know, why are you downgrading your munitions? Why are you downgrading your manpower? Um,
1: Why is General Milley openly talking to China and giving them advance notice if we do anything? (laughs) <laughs> and that's honestly another adversary that's,
0: you know, on the horizon that I don't think is really getting a lot of exposure either. But yeah. I mean, that, that that still comes from, hey, being involved in what's going on in terms of getting your brain into that Twitter floor, you know, and, and Telegram floor and looking and seeing like what is coming out from um, these smaller news sources that's not being reported on, but looks pretty important. Um, I mean, we're talking about all those – remember that all those U.S. citizens like a week ago? Like, they quit their jobs that worked at these microchip factories in China, like, because otherwise their citizenship would be revoked. I think there was a bill that just got passed. Um, and that that's a huge economic kick in the nuts for China. Like, so anytime you start getting a country where they start pulling their ambassadors or telling their people to leave – That's when you know things – lines are being drawn um, and something is is on the horizon and it's not looking good.
1: No. Yeah, it's um, – who was the other one? It was – was the Vatican? They wanted people – they wanted all their stuff pulled back by October 1st. What? Um, Yeah, there was – I forget what it was. Maybe not their people, but it was like any – I really should have got those notes before saying that on your podcast. No, no, you're good. You're good. But, uh, yeah, this was is, some, this it was just one of those things like they're, you know, the embassies, everyone's telling Americans to get out of Ukraine and all that. Right. They were telling them to get out of Russia. Then all of a sudden, what's his name? The old um, the whistleblower gets a Russian. They they make him a Russian. Oh, Edward like, Snowden. Snowden. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like dr- the lines are being drawn, right? Like get back to your home base um, something big is going to happen. What? I I don't know, but it's the players at the top seem to know.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had, uh, what's that guys, uh, the defense minister or like the secretary of defense equivalent for Russia made that, um, I think it was like a couple of days ago, made emergency calls to everybody that was his peer, you know, you know, the sec defs of all the other countries, all the major ones all the other nuclear power countries, he made a call and he even called our SecDef twice in 24 hours about something urgent. So he's calling people saying like, Hey, you know, some, everybody's kind of speculating that it was nuclear, something about, but whenever you've got Russia's SecDef calling all these different SecDefs from NATO and his counterparts and saying like, Hey, this is uh something that's super important. And and for hours i'm going to call you back twice and we're going to have a conversation i mean uh they were even talking about how uh the pentagon and moscow or dc and moscow maintain it would be vital that they maintain a line of communication no matter what event comes about
1: yeah that's uh that's telling isn't it i pulled up this i pulled up this thing it says uh the Pope imposes deadline for Vatican to transfer assets to bank. So he was rec- he was recalling everyone who had assets uh, that were that were Vatican assets to bring them back and deposit them into the bank by October first. Wow, that was an wow. interesting. One that is very interesting. That is well,
0: super interesting.
1: I don't know. I just see uh, I see collision courses everywhere. It's like we're going into minefields here. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's something like. What's, what's the, the moral of all of this you know, news and getting into figuring out what re- the truth information is and, and all this stuff? At the end of the day, it's just to get your situational awareness up. It's not to freak you out. And, and honestly, like there's sometimes I have to take a step back to kind of lower the stress level a little bit because it is kind of overwhelming. But at the end of the day, I remember my objective for searching through all this stuff is to be situationally aware about what's coming. So I'm not caught with my pants down and my family's not caught unprepared. Right. Um, so I think that is the, that's the big, the big takeaway that, you know, you should have that folks should have is that, um, you know, increase your awareness. So that way you've got Intel on what's going to happen or what could, what could cut, you know, come down the pipe. So
1: I think it's like, uh, there's a point of limiting or uh, limited return on it. Like at some point, I feel like I'm oversaturated. Just like you said, I need a break from it. It's just not healthy mentally to be just zoned in on disaster or like impending doom all the time. Right. And it's you know I, I'm the same way. A lot I know I have a friend, and he's one of my really good friends. And uh, he stayed in the zone with the news cycle for a long time, and it got to a point where it just. <laughs> just like I've had enough. Like I realize it is absolutely something's going to happen and it's going to be catastrophic and I can't control it. And he's like, that's why I got you. So just let me know a few minutes before I'm like, Oh my God, like, I don't know how you do it, but I can't, I can't unplug that long. I, it's like a day, maybe a half a day, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes it's like I said, it, and everybody has different levels of what they can take, but at the end of the day, like there are some things that you can prepare for and some that you can't. Um, I think the biggest thing as far as training is also like spiritual training, like peace spirits. Like, I mean, it was so cliche in the military. They're like, make sure you got spiritual mental fitness. And it's like, but you know, there is a good point with that. It's like, you got to be good spiritually and you have to make sure that, you know, you're in the right place and your mind is also in the right place. And, um, Yeah, especially, I mean, like I said, there's no atheist in a foxhole. So um, just getting your mind right uh, and being prepared mentally, spiritually, physically,
1: these are all important things. I look at it like, uh, and I was talking, I was on a live chat earlier when we were talking about this. There was a point, um, so I'm a a Christian. Me too. I went, I like went way far away from God for a long time. And I thought I knew everything, and it just—I got kind of shown the air of my ways, if you will. Thankfully, mm. right? Yeah. And um, in that process, and that sort of happened over this past couple of years, since we spiraled out of control with the uh, the Koof nonsense. Yeah. And in that time frame, it hit me like, yes, I think there will be wars. I think there's a possibility of economic collapse or invasion or whatever right shtf as you know i say on the on the internet Mm -hmm. and i'm not afraid like the more i think about it the more i'm like i'm I'm i don't want to say like i'm eager for i'm not i wish it wasn't going to happen but i've accepted that, that it will happen right so the thing that scares me that i see is like this isn't it's almost like a demonic like a satanic type thing that's going on behind the scenes that I think at least with this cabal and this globalist trash stuff. And, and that's the stuff that makes me nervous because being a Christian, I know kind of what comes next. If, if this is what I think it is or if we're headed towards that and it's like, I'm going to need to be a lot stronger, you know, in the spiritual aspect than I, than I even feel like I can be. Right. So Uh. that is sort of at the end of the day, that that in my opinion is the mo it's the absolute most. It's number one. And then you get the food preps and your family and stuff. Because if you don't have that, like it's you're you cannot win.
0: Yeah, dude. I I, I agree a hundred percent. And in fact, um, you know, you have to get right. Like you gotta get your heart ready. And there are things like, you know, as Christians, our kingdom is not of this world, right? So like, um but this time like who was it that talked about this I was talking um is you know utilize this time and your preparedness to also have the opportunity to take care of other people as well. Like not just you know shelter yourself into a bunker and just say screw everybody else but like there are gonna be people that are gonna need your help because you are trained in this or um you have food because you were prepared or um You know you had an extra gas mask or some something of that nature utilize this opportunity right now to build relationships with people and help other people out like you know if you end up training just to take care of yourself and say screw everybody else like like man that's not really a good way to live you know like um this is a great opportunity to kind of help people that are in need
1: yeah and getting to know people now and kind of opening yourself up and, and, uh, showing them what you're all about is going to, it's going to benefit you. And obviously I don't do this or advise people to do this just for the benefit. But like the added benefit is they're going to trust you after stuff goes down. How, how more, more willing are they going to be to trust a guy that they haven't met or talked to after whatever collapse of society or whatever happens? They're not, they're not going to trust you nearly the same as if they knew you from before. Yep.
0: hundred percent, dude. And, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to <clears throat> looking out for those people, um, you also make sure that you yourself are in a good place and good to go. Um, I think that's something that, you know, I've had to work on myself was just, like I said, like lower that stress level where I'm, if I'm super involved in what's going on and I'm, st- freaking out, stressing out, and then being a turd to my family, like that's not really helping anybody. Now it's starting to become counterproductive. So um, making sure that I have a healthy dose, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, for the old, for the wife, I got to filter out some of the scarier stuff, you know,
1: and, um, but still kind of be like, Hey, we need to continue to be ready. Um, And having somebody there, like another, like, I'm assuming this is mostly men that listen to this, but like having another friend or a guy that, can reel you back in to be like, yo, you are agitated or you, you need to like just take a break from it or go have a night with your wife or something like that. That is, that is something that you're going to need. Um, if in order to succeed and stay plugged in mm. and maintain those relationships, have somebody yeah. that you, that'll call you out on it fr- from a point from like a, a, a loving point of view. Dude.
0: Yeah. 100%. Um, and, One of the things that I think that you can do, um, to kind of start building those relationships, and this is my segue, here we go, drum roll please, training, you should go get training. Um, what are some, what are some important skill sets that you think, um, people should start training on now or yesterday?
1: Um, I, I, of course, I prefer the self-defense tactical stuff like you, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my mind is at. I, uh, I think just having, knowing your way around a rifle. Um, mm. A pistol would help, but a rifle is going to be more beneficial, I think, in whatever's to come, at least having access to one and knowing what to do and make hits with it. Um, yeah. Just know how to plug the holes too. How to, and, and have a, a thought for what if you can't just drive up to a hospital after you throw a tourniquet on your buddy maybe you know maybe we don't do the tourniquet maybe we try to stop bleeding another way first because that will benefit us for longevity without that second or next level of care up right Uh, but you don't really know that if you don't know so the medical training um, land navigation training uh, what else Uh, I would definitely just get out and get into shape too That's (laughs) that's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, rule
0: number two, cardio.
1: Is that rule number one or
0: two in Zombieland? I don't know. It's been a while since I watched Zombieland. That's David. a good
1: one. That's the one with uh, Woody. Yeah. Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Frickin', uh yeah, dude. I totally agree with the firearms portion. I think, you know, there are some who are, like, obviously, you know, I'm a complete nerd about, you know, shooting and all that stuff. But, like, uh, as far as, you know, people say, okay, well, what point do I – you know, is it is it good enough? for those who aren't super into it, and I would say is like yes, get to a point where you're safe, but get to a point in your shooting capability where you're not just always thinking about safety, but you're elevating past the level of just being safe, right? Just not being a liability, um, making sure that um, you can handle a firearm or a pistol or rifle so well that you're you're like unconsciously, always safe, um, without even thinking about it, but still able to perform tasks, um, without having a safety infraction. So like, um, you know, one, one example, you know, was out and doing some training with my, with my guard unit and we were out West and we were doing for, uh fast rope stuff into, uh, this area to do some recon. And so obviously we're running rifles. We got sim rounds in them. And uh, watching one of the Fry's Masters, and I was also doing this as well, but watching the flow um, of him manipulating his firearm to where it was never flagging anybody. But he's reaching over top of guys and, and ropers and, and, you know, pulling on their stat on their, uh, their Gila lanyard and checking their equipment and making sure everybody was good to go. And at no point did he flag. Now, I guarantee you, he wasn't thinking about, oh, where's my rifle pointed? You know what I'm saying? He's thinking about his, his fries master, his fast rope master duties of checking equipment to make sure his guys are good. So he was naturally being safe because he trained so much on his firearm skills that now that tool is no longer being a liability as he's performing other tasks that are equally
1: important. Yes, I, I was going to say that and you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. It's like, <laughs> Sorry. to the point where you can't You, they, somebody can't make you flag them. Like I'm not even gonna do it by accident. Like you, you can't make me flag you. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah. Like subconsciously, just I'm not pointing the barrel at you. Fingers off the trigger. You know, safety's always on unless I want it off. Mm -hmm. Um. But in that same regard, I feel like, uh, I feel like dudes. Sorry, with this email noise going off. I feel like (laughs) dudes could train to the highest level possible. Like in one of those ways that I, I see all sorts of dudes and I don't want to say screw this up, but they don't, they don't ever sit there and think about it is like, they'll do dry fire or they'll go do walkthroughs of their house. And yeah. it's like, if you never take your finger and uh, move the selector lever to fire and pull the trigger, when you're doing this, you're not going to do it in the heat of the moment. Cause you've only just done it with your finger off the trigger. And so you have to go through and, and what does that mean? That means like, you're actually going to have to go through all of the motions. And this is something I learned as, um, as a firefighter. And I had this, I was on this crew and I was very lucky to get to this crew. Like Mm. it was, I don't think I I felt like I I didn't belong. They were so good. Um, and it took a lot of breaking in for me to get, for them to accept me because they wanted to train me to the same level that they were at. And it was a different job. It was a ladder. Trucks. So we would go and like on a fire. If it's a high rise, we're gonna go recon. The last so with the ladder companies, they split up into teams of two, and they'll find the fire or victims. Or we're gonna go and we're gonna cut a hole in the roof of the house that's on fire to let the mm. heat and smoke escape, so guys can see and have visibility and less heat inside if they're about to make a save or something. Right. So, learning how to be on a roof and cut through the floor while it's on fire and not fall through into the fire and do it and not cut yourself when you can't see and then have the chainsaw cut out and choke out because of the smoke and no oxygen and yeah. restart it on the roof and everything and do this within a matter of like a minute and a half so from the time we pull up throw ladders get on the roof cut the hole get off the roof less than a minute and a half that's the goal wow. and and i was i was screwing this up left and right and it got it was so frustrating at a point but it it was so perfect. And this is why these guys were so great. And other dudes didn't want to work for him because they thought the captain was very demanding. He would stop the drill. If you, if you started to cut the wrong way, or if you screwed something up, he would stop and he would reset everything and you do it over. And it was so that you didn't, you have the bad rep. He's going to stop you reset. So you don't finish after the bad rep. So the Mm -hmm. whole rep is a good one. And it's like, that's twice the work. Um, and it is, but you're, you're twice as good. And those reps might be slower, but you're, the muscle memory, and it's like crawl, walk, run, right? Like you got to do it the right way and then pick up the speed and go from there. But if you're never going all the way through with the action and doing it from start to finish, when the critical time comes, you're not going to default to that. You're going to default to something else. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: And that, that kind of you know helps. That's a great uh, an analogy for, for mindset as well. Like it, it, It's crazy how often I'll see in my classes when I'm teaching with Roy and we'll see someone will do a bad rep or they don't do it the way that they, you know, it was told to them. Um, and, or they'll miss, this is a bigger thing where you see something you miss or they'll mess up a reload or a holster draw or something like that. And you can see them instantly, their mind sh- uh, shifts over to like beating themselves up or, Oh, that's embarrassing. Um, or, and, and getting in their own head, Versus thinking about the drill and getting a perfect rep out of it. Um, they'll stop midway and and just get inside their own mind. And then the outcome won't be, it'll be twice as worse on the next run because they're still thinking about that bad rep or how, it, how they performed in front of other people. Um, and whenever you were cutting through that roof, when you had those guys there that were there, Um, how were they were they encouraging you or like hey man don't worry about it or how was your helping you through coaching you through that that mistake
1: to make it a good rep or it was it was both right so you know we were doing this in full turnout gear really breathing air so we would we would have our masks on with the um, self-contained breathing apparatus turned on right and then I'd go up and we would do this and we'd have to, if I'd screw it up, we'd have to take a big six by six piece or six by four piece of plywood back up onto the roof, nail it in for me to cut and then start everything over, get the chainsaws ready, get back on the truck, drive around the block and come back and simulate pulling up on the house. So it was like a 15 minute reset every time. And we did it probably, I did one day, I probably did it 25 or 30 times. And that's why we're, we still got to run calls and do everything. That's the busiest ladder truck in the whole city. And, Mm. um, and it was just, You know the guys; they would do that all shift, and it wouldn't bother them. They'll go up there at two in the morning if they've been running calls and they're awake and they're not tired, and they'll do some. They'll cut some holes, right? It's like it's like you and me. If if we got access to a range in the middle of the night, like yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go shoot. Of course, other people are like, it's why would we go shoot? It's we don't need to do that right now. And hmm. it's just that difference of mindset. Like they wanted to be there. Um, yeah. But of course, they're also going to bust my balls because they have to get up and change it. And it's 100 degrees outside. Um, right. But it's that's why it, like here's another way to put it. And then I'll I'll shut up for a second. Um, <laughs> they tell you, don't be like the garbage man isn't surprised when he turns the corner and there's garbage on the street. Right. That's his job. So don't be surprised when you're a firefighter and you roll down and there's a house on fire, right? Like that's what you're there for. So don't be surprised if you are, are training and you're out there training your ass. Like that's literally what, what we're out here doing is is busting our chops, trying to mess up out here so we don't do it and mess up out there. It's like I don't train to get it right. I train to where I can't get it wrong. Right. Mm. I like that. Because yeah, I mean, it's in the business of lives, like saving lives, you can't get it wrong. I can't no. just say, hey, I didn't save your kid when you dropped it to me.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah, I like that. That's, uh, that's definitely something that it carries its weight. And I think the importance of that makes you determined to want to make sure that you only practice those good reps. Um, and so, you know, I would say for the same for shooting, like everyone wants to be there in my class, you know, like versus like when we were in the military, it was like, you had to be there. No matter how cool the training was at the time, you still had to be there. Like right. it wasn't really like you couldn't be there, but, um, working in where I worked, everybody still wanted to be there, even though they had to be, um, everyone was just a super passionate about the job. So it's, it's really cool and encouraging to work with people like that. Um, but you know, when it comes to classes, people are paying to be there. They want to be there naturally, um, and they're wanting to get better. The biggest thing I think that becomes a massive wall for a lot of people in their training is the three-letter word, and it rhymes with we go. Um, Their ego is what gets into their mind that um, I have this expectation of who I am and how much better I am than everyone else, you know, And when I don't perform to that and people can start to see through that glass house and there's a crack forming on my ego, that's when you start to see people not get anything. And honestly, like if you can't let go of your ego, then you're really just paying out. You're just giving away money and wasting ammo um, or giving up your time because you're not going to learn anything. You're there to show other people how much you know more than them um, or how better you are than them. So I think there is some uh, you know, like in the Bible, in Proverbs says, you know, he, pride comes before the fall. You know, be a meek person, be humble, and let other people notice your actions and speak for you, right? Um, and so, when it comes to training, always go in there. And I, I like to do this even when I go to a class. Like I just, I actually this past uh, weekend was in a in a class with uh, Vigor Training. If you guys don't know Phil. He's a great uh, instructor, a great trainer. We actually did a grounded and wounded course. Um, go check him out vigor training VIGR training. But anyways, when I'm there at his class, I'm a sponge. Like I'm selfish. I want all the knowledge that he has. I'm going to soak up everything possible. I'm going to have, you know, if I do something not correct, I'm going to figure out what his feedback is for me and I'm going to get it correct. Right. Um, to make sure that I, even if it's slower, get that good solid rep. Um, I'm going to take in as much experience as I possibly can uh, and then apply it to my own style and my own techniques and for my life. So whenever you go into a training event or you're practicing with the guys or girls or whatever, whatever you're doing, no matter what it is really, a life skill, go in being a sponge and expecting to soak everything up, not to show anything to anybody. Like I'm just there to be the student.
1: That's so, a different approach than I normally take. Cause I, I will go there and then I, I typically I'll realize after I show up that my rifle isn't zeroed, but that's why I, bring <laughs> up the I, I wrap up my elbow and I complain yeah. that I've had tennis elbow for a while. Yeah. And I excuse myself.
0: use <laughs> oh, myself
1: and I just ghost them.
0: How many times do I freaking hear, Hey, you missed. Oh, oh yeah. My zero is off. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. You know, we'll, we'll go get it back on and then we'll still see if the problem persists. But <laughs> Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, when it comes to training, I'm going to be super selfish, um, but when it comes to outside of firearms training, like medical, like we just got a guy. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast with him this weekend, but a, uh, a, a medical instructor for barrel and hatchet. So we will be offering um, stop the bleed type classes. Um, awesome dude. He's actually a Navy corpsman. Uh, I think he got, he got, yeah, he was a Navy corpsman, silver star recipient, super humble guy though. You'd never imagine that he was that, but, Stun. um, when he's teaching, I'm like, just like you said, this is a life saving procedure. I cannot get this wrong. Like I need to know the exact way of what he's talking about and do it exactly like he's doing because it could, you know, seconds do matter. Like, um, but medical training is one of those things that's not super bougie and flashy, good grief. It's important.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, if you can expose yourself to it now, um, in any way, shape or form, it's only going to help you because getting over that initial, I don't want to say shock, but like, um, it's like watching a car accident, right? Like Mm. the first, until you've seen a bunch of car accidents. And even if you have, you still want to look and just stare at it, but you got to get over that. (laughs) Like I, I, I love looking at car accidents. I'm the guy people are honking at me. But uh, you got to be able to move past that and act. And mm-hmm. and a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, I can I can stop the bleeding, but then what? It's like, well, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other things. It just depends on what's going on. But if you don't if you don't really know what could be going on, um, or understand, you know, how the body's just working at a base level or or not working because of what has happened then you're going to be lost in the sauce so like there's there's so many ways to do it um i like to tell people to go like sign up to be a volunteer firefighter if it's something you, that there is in your area and yeah. a lot of states will pay for that training um and you can go like and do medical training first they'll they'll pay for you to have base level medical training some even emt and paramedic level training no wow. cost to you
0: and that's and, and more, that you
1: get like cert you get certifications out of it and stuff yeah you can get everything like you can literally go and for free you can become a fully like you can literally have almost any certification medically for an emergency responding uh, medical personnel up to like a paramedic and Mm -hmm. all of your fire certs and rescue certs so like you could go literally get scuba dive certified river rescue you know repelling high angle rescue paramedic um, take specialty medic courses like emt wilderness emt classes all of that stuff, and no, normally the uh, the state office of the fire marshal will pay for all of that if you're on oh, a wow. roster of a volunteer station. Wow, that's crazy! And you take them huh. at the community college in your area.
0: That's uh, that's actually a really good
1: resource. So yeah, I mean, I'll probably even look into that. Um, Typically, all it's involved maybe you pay a little background check, go meet the people there, and then mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe pass a base physical like. Physical uh, fitness test, but that's only at like larger places. Most places don't just nothing physical. It's just they interview you and make sure you're not like a killer, psychopath person. Huh.
0: So, I mean, kind of you know, obviously, I'm, I'm you know, you got as a firefighter having that medical knowledge. What are some things in just like a basic IFAC, like on your belt or on your body armor? Should you have two? How many should you have? And what 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 are the basic things that you should have in them outside of a tourniquet?
1: Um. So I like a a larger pressure style dressing or something like I want to think of like um, huge wounds. So whether that's like in your thigh or like your butt or your back or your ribs or something like something that I can put a lot of gauze and and padding on and stop a lot of bleed like oozing bleeding. Um, I want to have so those normally come like vacuum sealed. You can get maybe even an Israeli bandage type mm. deal. Um, I know there people are kind of going in and out of those, but a larger dressing is what I'm getting at. Um, I like to carry uh, forceps. Um, there's a number of reasons for that. That may be a little bit higher of a level thing, mm. but um, I've seen where, where you might have to go in after an artery potentially where, depending on where the injury is. Right. Um, tape is one people leave out a lot. But uh, like occlusive dressings, so that is, that's air or like, that's like a plastic dressing, so like an MRE bag or whatever for, for like a chest seal. So if you don't, I say most people just avoid the the chest darts, the needle, the tension pneumothorax uh, needles. Needle needle B.
0: Yeah, because yeah. they
1: that involves like if you have to have that happen, you have to have a chest tube inserted, um, in your you know, at the next highest level of care up. And if you don't have access to somebody who knows and all the things required and why to put in a chest tube, then that's probably not a smart idea. Um, Mm. but maybe it is right. I don't know. Like it depends on your, your knowledge level, but, uh, you can do a lot with that chest seal, um, instead for the meantime, uh, but you might need tape for it. So like duct tape, medical tape, um, not electrical tape. That's not going to work. Uh, and then I wonder if there's really anything else. I like the little, um, triangle bandages. You can take two of those and make a sling and s- sling and swath. Is that what it's called? So like yeah. if you have somebody you get, you can tie it around their elbow and then hold their arm and tie it to them as a sling. They work good for eye and head dressings. Mm. Um, a cravat it, with two cravats will do the same thing. So that is actually a better use of money. Get a couple of wow. cravats and then. Yeah those will double as
0: that huh now would you say that like for say for example if i got a body armor and a a battle belt should i have an ifac on both or one one
1: for all of my gear i think it's just dependent on how how you run things and and your group right so it's like the ifac is to be used on the person wearing it traditionally speaking so it's like do you How many, what are you, what are the level of training of the people around you that are going to be working on you? Or is it going to be you doing self aid or both? Mm. Right. So I, I typically will go heavy on the medical, um, for me. So the SOP that I'm familiar with, at least in these parts of North Carolina, everybody carries an IFAC vacuum sealed in their right cargo pockets. That's kind of the North Carolina standard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even playing all the groups around here that I meet with. They all do the same thing. That's crazy. Uh, maybe, uh, but, we'll,
0: maybe we'll maybe Florida
1: will be the left pocket. Yeah. yeah, I think it works good just throwing it down there um, because if if anything, I see a, I see people running too many tourniquets and not understanding. They're like, yeah, well, I have one for each limb and everything. I'm like, well, I get like if you you want to have access to them, but I'm like, if you need three tourniquets for yourself, yeah, you have already bled out. Probably. Yeah, there's so much yeah. more going on. When the body systems, um, so I say, you know, if you're gonna do that, maybe run a separate, maybe get like a fanny pack or um, a sling bag or something that's just loaded the fuck down with medical. Sorry for the f bomb there.
0: Uh, it's it's fricking cool, <laughs> but my uh, uh, no, it's, speaking on tourniquets is by the way, which oh this is a funny story. So we were working with the uh, PJs out out west, and uh, you know we're doing this recon, sneaking around and stuff like that and in my IFAC, cause I was like, dude, my ruck is packed out. I need a, I need a place to have licky chewies. Like as I'm rucking, you know, like just yeah. to kind of replenish the sh- blood sugar and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, the PJ that was with me, good dude, but he, he, he looks around my shoulder. He's like, is that your IFAC? And I was like, yeah. He's like, are you pulling candy out of your IFAC right now? I was like, look, man, it's just a pouch. All right. <laughs> like it's, I, it's, it's for my health, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to tourniquets, I've also been seeing a lot of videos coming out of Ukraine uh in that conflict of guys that have like medics who are like, "Hey,
1: this tourniquet was broken and this
0: dude bled out." Like or it was a fake one.
1: Yeah. I think the the general consensus is if you can bend the windlass or like the 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 bar, then it's fake. Mm. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's definitely something. Would you also say like, should you have your tourniquet exposed? I know a lot of guys like, you know, I used to have mine, you know, when we go to Afghanistan or whatever, obviously it have, we'd have SOPs about which pocket on the uniform you'd have it, but I would also rubber band it to my plate carrier and it was exposed. But I also had an indispensable amount of them. Like I had or a, a crap ton of them. So like I could replace it after a few months. Um, would yeah. you recommend making sure it's covered so it's not getting exposure
1: Yeah, it's going to, the Velcro is going to get degraded. The rubber bands, if you have it up like that, are going to get degraded. I would say keep it covered unless, like you said, unless you have a ton of them, which it's probably not a smart idea because we don't, right? They're finite Mm -hmm. for most people. So keep it, keep it in a pouch, even if it's a standalone pouch, but have it staged. That's something I see a lot. Guys will have it in there in the wrapper. It's like, no, get this thing out, have it in the largest setting possible in a in a way that when you open it, it opens to your advantage.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's. I mean, I've always always taught was it like either have a center lined or one on each side of the body so you can access it with either arm.
1: Which, I like I like having them in the shoulder pockets or in the in the um, excuse me in the uh, cargo pockets with attached to the Velcro on the pants themselves, like kind of somewhat exposed, so I can just mm-hmm. yank up on the tails and pull them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually
0: really, we used to have it in their shoulder. Back in the day, we used to have them in our legs, but there are so many guys getting their legs blown off and then that means their tourniquet was gone from IEDs and stuff like that, which if we ever get into a conflict, you know, you may have to think about that, maybe like mines or whatever, but just something to keep in mind. You don't want to have your tourniquet gone when your limb blows off and now I'm out of a leg and a tourniquet. So uh, yeah, we used to stick them up in our
1: shoulder. Two is one, one is none. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, no. not two in the same pouch, like you said. Because what if <laughs> you, what if you get hit on that side? It's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> you're SOL.
0: Yeah. How how often would you say that? Like, you know, when you're responding to calls or wrecks or whatever, like that, you have to use a tourniquet. at X, like,
1: you know, like. It, so here's the funny thing in uh, in emergency medicine. Like, it's so different as, on the civilian side. They're not using tourniquets a lot. Like, I've used wow. tourniquets. I've tourniquet, it's mainly for shootings that I've used mm. tourniquets on people. Um, wow. I, I've used, well, I used one on a guy, no that Yeah. So it's almost all the time. It's shootings
0: mm.
1: I'd say, or stabbings. Yeah. But it's, it's not as much as people think you can, it's, Arterial bleeding like that is not common, in unless it's super violent or traumatic uh, instances. Hmm. So it's now, like when I see videos of these protesters or crap, and they're like trying to put a tourniquet on somebody. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't need it. just raise their hmm. elbow up above their yeah. heart.
0: Hmm. Now, would you say that you use chest seals with these gunshot wound guys a lot, or? what have you, you know are there anyone specifically that you would prefer like has like a bleed off valve or a burp valve or whatever or
1: i like the one or... it's what is it the hyphen chest seals is what they're called mm-hmm. i like the the size of them a lot of times you'll get them and they'll be small like the size of like a three by five card and i don't like right. those i like them to be you know like big yeah as big as possible um mm. like the, the size of an ipad would be preferable oh wow if they unfold that big. I don't know if many of them do, but it's like, the it doesn't hurt to to be larger than it is. Because think about this, like, you're probably going to need two. Because if they get hit, it's going to go through and probably through the other side. So you need mm. two of them. What happens if they get hit from side to side? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, bud. Yeah. And and you don't know from what. Because, I mean, think about it. They could get hit by a larger caliber, like, air, you know. Think about if they get hit by something from, like... a a mounted weapon um it's going to be a larger hole than we're expecting
0: yeah and usually rifle rounds are a lot more catastrophic in terms of their injury and their cavities and the wounds um, than pistols i I think the percentage they were saying um just from the g overall it was 85 percent of casualties from gunshot wound casualties that died were from rifle and i think it was the opposite from pistol. So like it's only like 20% die or something crazy. Like pistols suck when it comes to freaking wound penetration, but mm-hmm. like um yeah,
1: rifle is just so catastrophic. Like it's uh and another thing with the the chest seals like the ones that have the sticky stuff already on them and and are large like that. I lo- that's better cuz the surface area too cuz imagine there's going to be blood all over the place. And a, a thing mm. you might want to carry in that IFAC or in that med bag. If you're the medic is a little razor because dudes are hairy too. And I've had, we've had to do that in the, um, like as firefighters, we'll carry a razor when we have to, uh, put the leads on people's chest doing CPR on them. And they're all, you know, man, bear pigs. Yeah. And it doesn't <laughs> chest. Dang. I didn't even think about that. That's super smart. I, I just remembered it. So it's not like I'm on top of my game.
0: <laughs> i never i never even thought of it so you're attentive me. yeah that's actually now what what about like a water bottle to kind of clean off blood from a gunshot wound is that something that you recommend or you just wipe it
1: i think that's where like a, I i just use their own clothes or like a cravat or something and that's the other yeah. thing like if you, uh an npa or a nasal pharyngeal airway um yeah. use their own blood like that really does work i've done that so many times wow huh that's crazy yeah um Well, what if I really want to lick the NPA? I just want to really, you know, get some spit on it. The good ones ones come with the lube and they don't come with the lube for no reason. Like I have had, I've tried to give some of them before and I didn't use it. And then that's when I like, it hit home a few times. Like this is why it's part of the step in the process when you learn it is you have to put the lube on there. Oh, wow. Huh?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: That makes, seems like it would make life a little less painful or less uncomfortable. It makes sense. So you've got a dry nose, right? Like you have a, you have a cold and then some dude tries to hit you with an NPA. and It's just a, a desert up there. Like, yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh
0: gosh, that sounds terrible. It was like it's nails so on angry. a chalkboard. Freaking. Um, well, yeah, I mean, medical is ex- like, as we know, it's extremely important. It's one of those things where it's not something that you really care to learn about until the situation arises. And then it becomes the most important thing in life at
1: that specific time. Um, And it helps you in all aspects of life because you're probably still more likely to run up on an accident and need these skills than any of the gun stuff. And, you know, unless of course we are right about what we were projecting earlier, but it's still more likely you're going to encounter random accidents and people will need medical help.
0: So true. Yeah. You're definitely a lot more likely to see that. Um, What, what, what about like, you just kind of, kind of mentioned land navigation and stuff like that. Like. Um, what do you get, what do you think about like map reading
1: and GPS and and things of that nature? I look at it sort of like, um, the progression with shooting, like start, understand how to use iron sights, then, Mm -hmm. then figure out, you know, maybe a red dot then, or, or a scope, whatever your flavor is. Um, but then go from there. Right. So like, I would say, learn, learn a compass and a map. Go out and try to find and identify major terrain features on a map as you see them and understand mm-hmm. sort of grid north, magnetic north, declination, that sort of thing. And then, uh, yeah, then learn how to plot points and read them and then plug in a GPS to make it quicker once you know what you're doing so that you can always default to the the prior, it, or the latter rather, if, uh, you know, the 5G towers explode and all the GPS signals go out because – yeah wolverines uh, get activated
0: <laughs> or there's an emp that's right yeah so yeah i mean i agree i think that you know focusing on map and compass in case things do go out and terrain association um you know knowing what your pace count is um those things are important but also like get to know your electronics like if you got a garmin like I, I mean like i would heavily use it like if it's working like why not Um, why not give yourself the advantage and it makes life easier. And as far as like material and where to learn land navigation, dude, you can go to Barnes and Nobles and get any of those army survival guides they have in the discount section. And 99% of the time they have a land navigation chapter in there that teaches you how to use declination and a compass and a map.
1: There's a guy on YouTube and he has a video and I don't, you know, I think I'm subscribed to the channel, but this is the, this is the video of all videos in this channel. And it's, uh, Corporal's Corner. If you go look at Corporal's Corner land nav stuff, he he'll show you if you like. If you are unfamiliar with any of what we're talking about land nav, he will set you straight to where you have a base understanding, and then go and get you a map of your area. Like even if you mm-hmm. have road atlases or state topo maps, like in a book in your car, that's better than nothing. Yeah,
0: I actually like to use uh, Cal Topo. Like you can get a membership to it for the year, but they also have a free version that gives you a lot of tools. C-A-L-T-O-P-O. And you can put grid lines on there for MGRS or, um, you know, lat long. You can get satellite or, you know, like the, the regular map topography imagery um, for your area. And it'll give you grid zone designator and identifier that works with your GPS. So, Tapo, if you want to print off your own maps of your area, that's the place to do it.
1: Was that the one S2 Underground was talking about?
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. So, dude, another great channel. S2 Underground. It's freaking awesome. If you're listening to this, you're freaking awesome.
1: That's some high uh, quality stuff. That's one of my, dude, I can't wait for the next one. He hasn't had one in a while. I know, man. Uh,
0: he's probably super deep. There's just so many events that have been happening. I think it's he's just like the super deep update. in the Intel. <laughs> yeah. I can't
1: wait for it.
0: I know. So yeah, he's, he's a great resource. Another good, uh, channel to check out for, and he does like some comm stuff and that's actually kind of caveat to what I was going to talk about next, but comms like, um, how important are they?
1: See, I, I feel like they're highly important, but that's like a lacking area for me. Um, mm. I, but I've identified it. So there's a guy, and he, he does these courses. It's uh, What is it? Is it Brush Beater, I think is what it is, here in North Carolina? Mm. NC Scout mm. is what he goes by. Um, okay. And he has an RTO course. And I've heard nothing but good about this. And I have a my ham tech license, but I don't really – you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just memory dumped the online quiz, uh, yeah. test cards, and then took it and then passed it. So like, right. I don't talk on it very much. I understand how to set up my my radios, um, but there's like I don't have anybody out here that knows how. To, I don't I don't know a person locally with a ham radio license. No, nope, because <laughs> nobody will go and get it. But yeah. um, I feel like if you know how to operate one, understand at least how to to get in touch with repeaters and bounce your signal. And then scan and understand where potential incoming messages are going to be coming from if there is a collapse and how to tune into those. That's Mm. going to be beneficial. And then also understanding what – when you do push to talk, what that really is doing and how much potential danger that puts you in. Mm. Yeah,
0: dude. I mean as far as radios, like I, I think one of the things is use a cell phone for as long as you can. Yeah, I mean, radios are a lot easier to find, especially for direction finding. Um, and then, you know, if the cell towers are still working, which I'll tell you right, I now, mean, we just had that hurricane pass through and all the cell, cell signal was gone. So like just the weather event knocked out the cell signals in those towers. So um, that's where a radio came into play because we actually had to, I had to tune in onto to the NOAA to be able to hear weather updates and what was going on and, flood warning. So I literally had to, you know, it was a good practice. Um, but the other thing is if you're um, wanting to be encrypted, I think you can go down a really dark rabbit hole, especially in the, on the s- regular citizen side of going into encryption. It can also get expensive. And I always tell people like, if you don't want people which know what you're talking about, then have your own brevity, you know, like in your group or your community develop your own brevity list and make sure everybody memorizes it or has it to, Easily reference. obviously, don't make a bunch bunch of copies of it in case it gets compromised. But, um, you know, have your own brevity. And then when you guys are talking, use that brevity. And that's obviously probably going to be even harder to crack than encryption.
1: Yep. And I think S2 Underground, he talks about the use of the one-time pads. That's something I want to get into more and kind of maybe try and, and just figure out how I could approach that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the other I, thing
1: is field phones too. Like if you have land or you have the ability to get this stuff in advance, that is the that is the one true, and, le- and they have to come and find the line and cut the line or tap into the line. But that's the yeah. most secure way is the field phones with a laid yeah. line. And you can get these, it's my understanding, and I, I think I heard this from Southern Proper One, you can mm-hmm. find really thin, high tensile strength field phone cable now, like miles of it for cheap, but it's really small now. It's so much thinner than it used to be, and it's like twice the strength.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to have encryption, go do a field phone landline. Um, yeah. Dang. And also, if your line does get cut, you know someone's in your area.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you could think about it, like if you just have a neighborhood and you have one or two field phones all connected, I mean, what does that do for you to be able to call and ring up somebody when no one else has power and you can say, hey, there's people at the front of the neighborhood right now?
0: Oh, yeah. dude 100% what about um so you know kind of we got our navigation and we're working on firearms and we're proficient with that what about have you like practiced any gardening since you know the start of all this or tried growing under your own food or raising your own you know
1: livestock um I have not so my my little group if you want to call it that and by group it's like this is the fun thing too like uh people always ask me how do you get a group? How do you start a group? I'm like, yeah, you know, my group is just a bunch of my friends yeah. that I know and their families. <laughs> like that's all it is. Yeah. Um, and if it, I'm, I'm very suspicious of people wanting to get in a group with me, right? Like you should yeah. have your own group and it's the people that you already know and your neighbors and stuff. But, um, I'm, I'm blessed in that I have multiple friends within our group um that have farms and are doing the permaculture thing and self-sustainment and my role in all of that is to sort of get this the defensive aspect of everything reeled in so that if we do have to come to that right we can all relocate to one of a few different areas and i don't even necessarily have to relocate but we can utilize that food source um for the people within our group and dude you hit the nail on the head man i i I
0: totally agree like you know, having people within your group that have specific roles. Everybody is, you know, understanding of all their, like, you know, you might be the mechanic or you might be the medic and you have a basic understanding of all the other people's jobs, but you're the expert when it comes to that specific craft or or skill set. And that's how you can kind of break up those roles within the group. And also being familiar. So if that, that person who is the expert on that skill, at least you have some sort of knowledge because they've taught you a little bit to be able to make things work or make something happen. And it's not a complete
1: detriment if you lose them. And the Um, cool thing is with the, the everyone having their own job. Like I was thinking about this earlier today. Yeah. How many dudes are in the military that are, that are pogs, right? Or like not combat oriented whatsoever. Uh, Most of them. So then what do they do? they're, They're responsible for something. They're, more or less experts in a field to a certain degree, just like everyone else out there, right? So like you get the guy who's a a cook in the Navy or in the Army. Why why doesn't that cook, instead of sitting here and saying, hey, I'm going to become a Delta Force operator for the Minuteman group of civilians in my neighborhood because I was in the Navy, but I just cooked. I was a cook. Why don't you get a, a whole kitchen set so that when everyone does assemble, yo, they can eat like warriors and they don't have to worry about it because yo, the chef took care of it. Like that's exactly. cool. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. We will need that. Everybody dude. will benefit from that. And you're the expert. Own it. That is your space. Nobody you don't need to do anything else. Absolutely. I, I
0: <laughs> dude, I 100% agree and I think that is a mindset that a lot of people taking pride in your work taking pride in your craft. Um, and, and and then and the best way to reinforce and hone that is also to teach others. So teaching other people in your group, hey man, this is how you cook fricking taters, you know, like, and not, or this is not how you don't burn the meat. Um, this is how you're, you know, this is a proper way to season in a cast iron skillet. Uh, and then those guys are things. probably going
1: to be like, hey, this is how you, you know, perform this drill or whatever, yep. right? It's going to be reciprocated. When you go out on a limb, and like you said, humble yourself, lose the, check the ego at the door and just say, Hey, I can do this. I can bring this to the table. Y'all will probably mm-hmm. need that. Right.
0: Dude. 100%. I, I think, um, what are some, you know, with those skills, what are some, like, let's just talk kind of circling back. Let's Jen Saki this going back to the, uh, the gear that we would need for that, that baseline defense and baseline survival. Um, what is a basic loadout that like, Hey, I just need to get what I need to get to protect myself and to be able to work my equipment and to carry my, my loads. What is the basic necessities I should have
1: starting out? Um, I think a solid, you know, it does it matter if you go belt rig or battle belt with, you know, or a plate carrier or whatever, that's going to be dependent on how much money you have, Mm -hmm. what your level of experience is, where you are right? Cause like if you live on a farm, do you need a, a an armor helmet? Maybe not, right? Like maybe it's best for you to have some load bearing gear or something like that. Or maybe even better yet, you don't worry about that. You just get a chest rig that works for you cause it's moderately priced. Have a rifle, have a way to, to see what you're shooting at, have a way to sling it on your back, have a way to, to aim, um, a decent amount of magazines and ammo for them. Right. Like enough to where you can, if you get into a skirmish that that's not all the ammo you have, like you need to have more ammo somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so you can fight maybe more than a few times. Um, and then a good bag. I mean, you know, you can go floor and ceiling with it. The floor is, you know, have a little Jan sport. The ceiling is have a mystery ranch rucksack, right? It doesn't, whatever your flavor is care, be able right. to carry what you will need to sustain yourself for a, a couple of days at least if you have to get the hell out of dodge or yeah. or something catches you off guard and you're gone longer than you think
0: hmm. yeah I mean I think just like you were saying getting that basic necessities to be able to carry my ammo carry my weapon carry you know my pistol um, if I have a pistol carry that stuff um, and make sure it's secure and also comfortable and then always remember that you can always scale up so like if I don't have a, I don't have any body armor right Um, I just got a chest rig. Cool. Then you can save up for body armor and getting quality protection. Um, but you can still work what you got right now. And guess what? You could use that chest rig to go with your body armor when you do buy it. Um, or, you know, I I live out in the boonies, so I don't need a helmet, but it's good to have one eventually. Um, if you are in a full scale conflict and having a helmet would be kind of nice, but you don't need it right now. You know, like, so getting that helmet and saving up for it, um, is going to be important. And I think when it comes to protection, if you are going to go into protection, you do not skimp out on, on protection, man. Like, um, having that high quality armor or plates or helmet is, is the key. That is the key.
1: If you're going to go with the decision to carry the weight Mm -hmm. and, and just extra bulk of armor. you're doing yourself a disservice to do anything other than cry once and buy once or at this point like and we can even talk about it like the AT armor like the stuff doesn't it's not expensive like it used to be to get something Mm -hmm. that's moderately you know in the whole grand scheme of how much things cost like this is it's not bad and it gives you that that level of protection that if you're gonna put armor on this you know I'm not gonna skimp out and go with thin steel plates that when somebody hits them it's gonna break all of my ribs and then shatter or, or fragment bullets into my chin and up into my mouth and through yeah. my eye sockets that's not yeah. going to help i re- maybe would have just rather to have a through and through to my my abdomen <laughs> yeah
0: right so slowly internally bleed to death
1: uh, yeah i choose just shoot me instead yeah exactly <laughs> yeah
0: uh dude you don't AT armor is a amazing company. Like I said, like you were saying, like, um, they sell quality ceramic plates. And, and when it comes to your life, like how much is your life worth? I think it's worth, I think it's worth having the high quality. Um, so yeah, if you are going to carry the weight, make sure you have the right, the right equipment when it comes to your, um, when it comes to your bag and, or honestly, all of your gear in general, For me, a big thing that's super important is it has to be comfortable. Like, I remember like, you know, still a gear queer, used to be a gear queer in the military, but I made sure that all the stuff I had was either custom fitted to me because I worked on it or I got and bought stuff on my own that I needed um, just because I didn't like some of the issued stuff that was quality and was comfortable because I could actually focus on the task at hand versus worrying about the migraine. I'm having because this harness sucks, or my shoulders have freaking hot spots on them. Um, so I always made sure that I got quality comfort level, so that way I could focus on the task at hand versus my discomfort.
1: Oh, for sure. I was uh, I was dropping money at Tactical Taylor in 2008, like it was going out of style. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, like people, I feel like people who skimp out on on packs and bags, they haven't had a ruck before. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. It was like, dude.
1: if you can choose what Ruck you have, like, what a luxury. Get something that's so comfy and works exactly for you. Like, go go make it an adventure finding the system that works best for how you plan on implementing. And mm-hmm. I have a couple, right? Like, my go-to, I think I have a, a Crossfire DG3 with the internal yeah. frame. And then oh, I have nice. a, a medium Alice with a frame. And, you know, I got one if I want to wear the kid, the kidney pad around it. And the other one, if Mm -hmm. I just don't want to attach it, only go, uh, shoulder straps. Um, and I love it. That's, that's about as comfortable as I found it gets.
0: Yeah, dude. Quality rock. (laughs) It is, uh, so important for me as well. Like, I mean, and then there's nothing wrong also, like an Alice pack, like that thing is tried and true and has withstood the test of time. And, you know and it's still good you can always get upgraded stuff for an alice pack and you can find parts for it everywhere if you can't afford something that's like uh you know a mystery ranch or something extremely fancy pants but uh the one thing i wouldn't get is like some giant backpack that's like molly and is just has no frame or support and
1: is just a freaking back breaker waiting to happen it's gonna rip it's not gonna be comfortable yeah you're right I, I, yeah. The other thing, too, is just pack the bag correctly as well. That will help a whole lot. Yeah. And there's tons of resources online uh,
0: as far as how to pack that bag correctly so you don't have lopsided weight.
1: Um, All the weight on the outermost pocket.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, I remember in dude, at Sears school, we had this one guy. He packed his ruck wrong, and it was just, like, super heavy weights. and he broke his back dude like mm. it was like it looked like an l um oh, and it was just because rucking for so long over those at that time and I, I think he had also had some like bone condition or whatever that somehow they messed over when he got when he signed up but like yeah he straight up broke his back mm. it's going I, hard I couldn't believe
1: anything,
0: it. it dude for real man like but um i'm trying to find There was is a i'm trying to remember the name of the company It'll come to me as soon as the podcast is over. But it is a, oh, dude, it's one of my favorite rucks. And guys probably have seen it in pictures that I've I've run. But Stone Glacier. Dude, the Stone Glacier ruck, you got to check it out. It is freaking amazing. I'm um, pulling it up now. Yeah, Stone Glacier. And it is, what they do is if you're talking about packing ruck up high and, and, and nice weight where it's supposed to be, it's got that zipper open down the center like a mystery ranch, but it also has – you can access the top, and it's built like a mountaineering backpack. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just in multi And And they even have, a like, up along the frame. So, like, I've always been an Alice Pack frame kind of guy just because I'm like, hey, it's tried and true, and I'll just buy upgrades for it. You know, even having, like, all these other rucks that are super fancy. Um, but I would always go back to the Alice Pack. This ruck – in the frame they even have additional mag pouches that go out to the side. So if you took your ruck off and laid it in the, in the prone in front of you, you could access your
1: mags. Hold on, I'm trying to pull this up. This is too good mm-hmm. to be true. Dude, it
0: is it is by far and we just did some uh, some long walks with it a few months ago and it is freaking awesome, man. Stone Glacier, if you guys are listening to this, shout out to you. Which one did you say? You have? Which model? Um, I'm looking it up right now, but it was, it's the taller one. Um, it's not the R3 3300,
1: is it? I think it might be. That one's in like a Coyote. They probably have it in the multicam too.
0: Yeah, they do have it. I have it in multicam. Um,
1: these are packs. I feel like you're ascending Everest in these.
0: Dude. And (laughs) the frame. Yes. It's not the R3, but the R3 uses the same frame um it is the r3 i think it's the 5900 oh yeah i'm looking yep, at it here. the r3 5900 but look how tall you could stack that thing dude you could stack weight so high um and like see how it has that that u-shaped zipper on the front of it so right. i can access everything in the center of the rock i can literally access everything i need to um without only being able to go through the top and in that frame they have Four mag pouches that go to the side that you can access really quick, and it even comes with a stowable rifle saddle. It's pretty sick. Yeah, they did a freaking amazing job on that, and also on your kidney, 2, on your waist pad.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's big, dude. You could fit a freaking kid in there. Like, take your take your kids and go bike pack, and just stick the youngest one inside the bag. You could stand and like up a baby carrier. You yeah, close it on top of them. <laughs> exactly, dude. And it's, I mean, that 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 ruck is is amazing. So, uh, yeah, if you guys get the chance, definitely check it out. That's cool. I never can take my word either. for it. Yeah, uh, I had not either. We were trying out new rucks. Uh, I knew we had Kafaru and some other companies uh, that we had, and when they brought those, in, I was like, "What is this thing? It looks like a mountaineering Everest bag." And I tried it, and I was like, "Dude, this thing is money." Yeah. Stone Glacier. I, no. think,
1: uh, I always have a, a little fanny pack close by. That's sort of my, if I had one little secret to add in there, it's, you know, I have the rough, got the chest rig, but less is more, right? So if you, even if you just find a chest rig that holds nothing but magazines and it doesn't mm-hmm. have a GP pouch, so just go get you a little fanny pouch or fanny pack. And that can, in the meantime, that does wonders.
0: Yeah. Just and, as a cheap option. So, so for kind of like you just said, less is more when it comes to the chest rig. I like to carry the minimal amount of stuff on my chest rig. Like, I obviously used to go really, really heavy, but now I will add, like, a fanny pack. Like, I love my fanny pack. I can rotate it to my butt and have it behind me. Um, And when I put a ruck on, it's not underneath my kidney waist pad or whatever, waist strap. But I will usually carry comms, mags, um, night vision, you know, that stays on my body. Um, And then like compass and stuff like that, you know, the normal type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have an IFAC or something else as well in the rig. Now, sometimes I'll put it in a dangler, like on the ghost or ghost chest rig, you can put it in it. you can attach a dangler and then I'll put, or, you know, other things inside the, that kind of frees up that space for the um, fanny pack. But the biggest thing is if I ditch that ruck, at least I have the bare minimum essentials to be able to still operate and live and survive and navigate and fight um, just based off of my, my chest rig. It may not be pretty, but I can get it done. I'm sorry there for for interjecting.
1: That's one thing. A lot of guys that don't have military experience or maybe even better yet, like time in the field in the military, Mm -hmm. because they'll, they won't see, they won't have the understanding of, Hey, well the ruck comes off at the ORP We're like, you're not going to wear this all the time. You might Mm. stage these hidden, you know, and have an IR beacon at a certain azimuth and distance away from it, annotating where it will be and stage it there. Uh, So what happens if you can't make it back there because of whatever reason, right? Your pace Mm -hmm. planning. So having that stuff on you to to E&E or escape and evade, um, it does you no no good if it's in your rucksack and you get separated from it. Much less exactly. like if you cross a river, you know, and your bag comes loose and you lose it.
0: Dude, I think the one of the, to kind of hit the nail on the head, I've, I've seen guys leave compasses in rucks, you know, where's your compass? Like you don't have a way to navigate, like to the go to hell point. We're all separated. Like how, or uh, no water, you know, like didn't bring any water in their chest rig or had no place to put it. It was in the ruck. It was a camelback on the ruck. So it's like, or my two liters on the ruck. So like now you're separated from that ruck. You're dying of freaking thirst. Your mouth feels like sandpaper. And it's because you didn't have a spot to put the bare minimum essentials on there if you were separated from that source. Um, and so that's that's definitely a big takeaway. And having kind of, like I said, well, people say, well, why not just fully load it out? I mean, you can, but also understand you're going to be rucking with that ruck. And the more you have underneath your arms where those straps go for your shoulders, the more discomfort you'll have. So um, and that's, that's all personal preference. There's a lot of guys who run like some of the, you know, the Marine recon guys, they run super long reckeys and they got massive chest rigs, you know, like, and that's just how they train and just, that's what works for them. So you just got to kind of figure out what works best for you, but you have to test it in the field, go on a camping trip, wear your gear, not just in the living room, but actually go out and wear it, um, to see what works and what
1: doesn't. And it's a balancing act. Like, cause you want to bring the whole kitchen sink if you had the choice but it's like, do I need this? Do I, you know, and you might bring it a few times and realize I never even used this one thing that I thought Mm. would be critical. Or, you know, maybe I, I got to this position and man, it would have been nice to have, you know, this thing that I didn't bring with me and I could lose, I could shed this crap over here. Right. I don't need two tarps with me. I can maybe leave those at home. Uh, my poncho will work, or maybe I Mm. don't need all the bags of my sleep system. Every time I go out, maybe just, depending on the coldest it could possibly be for that time of year.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And something that I would, you know, one thing I will say, I would try to minimize the amount of extra stuff that I didn't need. But one thing that I did keep inside my ruck um, was I usually kept a small, like a salt bag, like a like a 24-hour bag that could roll up. Or I would usually put my Camelback in that bag and then throw that in my ruck. So that was my Camelback carrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to ditch the ruck, at least I had a quick bag I could grab. Yeah, it doesn't have a bunch of stuff in it. But it has room for me to collect things and put it in there that need I need to survive or gather. Um, but at least I had some sort of pack that I could grab and go. And it already had my water source inside of it.
1: Um, yeah. And that's another thing people don't think about. Well, they should definitely think about this in their planning stages. But mm. a lot of guys don't get this far in their uh, what their mental masturbation of this of the uh, thought of <laughs> Armageddon happening, right? So they're yeah. like, "We're gonna go out there and we're gonna hit the target." And it's like, "Did you bring an empty bag to collect all their weapons with? Because you want yeah. their weapons and ammo." No, yeah. we left our full rucks at the ORP. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're carrying it you back on your shoulders then. like.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. Uh, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, that would be – I always learn when you do an SSE, like bring some sort of bag to carry a bunch of stuff in. Otherwise, you're going to be using your hands. Mm-hmm.
1: I think um, – uh, I, I, I bought a couple of them and I – I laugh every time I see him cause I just, I envisioned a money duffel bag, but at Walmart <laughs> in my area, they have this like small travel duffel bag and it like folds up into like the size of a Snickers bar. And I'm like, if you just had that in your cargo pocket, you would always be good to go like with SSE or something like that. Oh yeah. Such a small, right. just unpackable large bag. Yep.
0: And that's something that like, you know, I would definitely run and put smaller things and items in, um, but it was also kind of nice to have that assault pack that had a little bit of rigidity in the frame in case I have to carry anything heavier back. Um, but yeah, dude, just make sure you bring a bag that can is not packed out because I know it's tempting. You're like, well, I have another bag, so I got to fill it up, and it's like, no, we'll just leave it empty. Just put some water in it and and use it to collect things, treasures, if you will, uh, <laughs> when you're out on the mission. All your 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 booty when you bring it back. Speaking of booty, um, how important do you think are boots, uh, when it comes to, you know, like rucking and all this stuff You're, you
1: know, what you're protecting and using on your feet, what are some of your favorite, uh, boots? So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm easy with this. I don't go, you know, I like all the Solomon stuff. I have a, you know, my Solomons are my Gore-Tex winter weather ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill, dude. I, and this is going to sound crazy. I, I rock Converse a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy to some people, but the the lace up ability, the over the ankle, I like it. They're lightweight, they dry, and I, I can carry a couple pairs of them. Um, like I I carry always. I, I don't carry another set of boots in my ruck. I have a uh, an extra set of Converse Chuck Taylor, like high top ones. Yeah. Um, because they're lighter and they're they fold up smaller. Um, but other than that, I I like the combat boots from uh, Oakley. I don't know if they still make yeah. them or not. Um, but I bought a, dude, I bought a bunch of those on U S standard issue when they were, mm-hmm. um, coming into style. So I've got those just older issued military boots. Uh, bell bills are cool. Um, but really it, it is extremely important. If you're going to put the ruck on your back, get that arch support, um, find out what your foot shape is. Right. So like, that's the biggest thing, understanding how your foot interfaces with the ground so you know, like, hey, I can get these combat boots, but you know what would be better? If I throw a little insole in them that matches how my foot is, that's going to save mm-hmm. you a lot more than you might think if you've never done it. Um, yeah. But it, th- I will say this, and then I'm, I'm done with it. You have to take care of your feet, right? So if it doesn't matter if you can wear um, Chuck Taylors or not, or you're wearing Solomon you know, Speed Crosses or whatever your thing is. Or just traditional desert combat boots, or, or you know whatever they are, um, you have to change your socks. You have to have powder. You have to make sure they drain properly, and you have to make sure they breathe. Pro- your feet breathe properly. If you're not doing this, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, what kind of boots you have. Um, mm. You're gonna you're gonna be sitting on the sidelines because you can't walk. Yeah, dude.
0: Feet foot foot care is. That is a need and actually something I would even probably keep my eye back as like moleskin and, um, there's, duct there's tape works some... in pinch. duct tape you said? Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah. You got to take care of your feet, foot powder. I mean, like I, I like to wear Keens, um, right now I'm trying out some Merrell's, but like I, I like to wear Keens cause they've got a wider toe box. So my feet, my toes can spread out a little bit, you know? Um, but when I'm, I, I like to wear Gore-Tex cause, it's just, you know, whenever I get through water on plants in the morning, the dew in the morning automatically will soak your freaking feet up. So having some Gore-Tex to stop that, you know, a lot of people go, well, what if it rains? I'm like, yeah, you know, obviously you're going to get soaked, but like most time you're probably going to be, if you're walking in the morning, like I do every morning, walking the dew in the grass, um, outward at the ranch, you know, it's like, it's nice having dry feet after I'm done walking through that dew. Um, but needless to say, go and make sure you take care of your feet. I always would carry even if it was like a uh, like oh an overnighter or something crazy. I'd carry 3 pairs of socks. You know, like mm-hmm. I have to have an a lot of extra pairs of socks cuz even if your boots wet, just taking those socks off, throwing some powder on cuz you don't have time to dry it out, throw on a fresh pair of socks. Even that is a little, it's like such a morale booster. You're like, "Oh, my feet are dry for like a little while." Like um, cuz man, I've seen
1: some nasty feet it's it's a completely overlooked thing for most people how mm. important the foot care is in the field or when you're actually humping weight um i i have some Merrells i like the Merrells a lot i've found that for some reason i tear them up pretty easy mm. but i do like it they definitely look the coolest in my opinion yeah
0: yeah i i mean i i'm i'm trying them out i've only had them for about a month my Keen's didn't last The last trip I had out west, but um, the fast rope kind of just burned the soles up, and they're—I mean, I I mean, I beat the brakes off them things, but dude, yeah, your foot care—you like, you can't walk if your feet are jacked up, and if you can't walk, um, you know what good are you really? Um, I mean, people
1: don't realize like your foot's gonna sweat, it's gonna get wet, the socks are gonna not help if you don't change them, if you don't have those extra socks, if you didn't put them in a waterproof container or bag, Mm -hmm. like. Got to get that squared away. Got to know in advance that that's going to be a thing you're going to have to deal with.
0: What are some things that you see on the front end outside of changing your socks before you step that you could use to help prevent foot injuries?
1: Having over the ankle lace up uh, boots or shoes, right? So like having them to a point where if your foot goes into the mud past the ankle, it's not going to vacuum suck your footwear off. Mm. Cause that would suck, and it would suck worse if it was a critical moment in whatever you're doing too. Now you (laughs) get one boot. If you needed (laughs) that shoe on at that point,
0: golly, that would suck.
1: Um, Yeah. What though? Yeah, like don't. (laughs) For foot care, I would just say uh, be weary of like ingrown toenails. That's going to be a big one. That's going to suck, and I could see that becoming an issue if, you know that one of a thousand issues if it's an shtf situation right and somebody mm-hmm. you know what if they they don't have access to the clippers because they're not the nail clippers because they're not where they're normally at right and then they're mm. these things grow weird and they cut it with a knife and it cuts in a way that it shouldn't grow and then they get ingrown toenails like w- then what like then infections yeah. then much yeah. worse problems Cheapers, yeah
0: i mean <laughs> uh gosh Feet, man. You just
1: got to take care of them. And feet are I mean, gross, too. I can hear the weirdos on the internet that are like feet. I can hear them saying it, these weirdos. <laughs>
0: man, I wish I could clip some ingrown
1: toenails. Right oh, my God. It's so foul. Foul. <laughs> so foul. I, I Imagine I just, being a podiatrist. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude. But
0: I will say, like you were saying, those lace-up and having them nice and tight, but not over tight, but where I can secure them to my feet. Um And not just turn them into big giant buckets. Like they're high enough where they can stop that water moisture. Um, Something else I also like to add with the boots um, is having gaiters. Like,
1: dude, I love freaking gaiters. Gaiters are cool. I like them. Yeah. Um, One thing with the boots, a trick that I learned, and I do this with, I actually do this with all of my shoes now. Not just boots, but literally every pair of shoes I have. Um, Well, maybe not every, that was a lie. Most of them. <laughs> uh, I'll change out the laces for 550 cord, and I'll, mm. and that way, if I get new, uh, a need for 550 cord, I'll gut the laces and lace them back through with just the sheaths of the 550 cord.
0: Yeah, dude, 550 paracord and 550 cord. It's that is, uh, and it's also good for getting out of restraints if you're if they're of the zip cuff variety. That's right. But um, yeah. Dude, you got to take care of your feet. And also that kind of goes back into um, those basic, you kind of mentioned it before, but those basic pre-mission planning or prepping and preparing type things that you can plan for right now when nothing's going on. Like, yes, there's stuff going on in the world, but nothing's happening here right now this second. So preparing yourself yesterday, you know, like preparing every day not going over the board but making sure that you're planning and that you're just paying attention you know thinking through these processes like your feet like everybody wants to go to the range and shoot and do freaking drills but also thinking about like what are my what are my contingencies for my health and my hygiene um what about my spiritual fitness and I think that's something that we kind of you know real quick just tapped on a lot of those subjects just to kind of get those, like you said, the mental masturbation, kind of get those brain juices
1: flowing so you can start thinking about these things now. I start thinking of the combat footage coming from Ukraine of the drone stuff. And I all I'm yeah. thinking of is yeah. getting manuals and refreshing my skills and having the equipment so that, you know, maybe maybe it comes to having trench systems or fighting positions, but, like, you know, all I'm thinking of is overhead cover and concealment. Yeah. <laughs> just making sure yeah, I don't have little Molotov cocktails or, or uh, mortars dropped from a quadcopter. You know? Yeah, grenades in a, long, and a red Solo cup. <laughs>
0: yeah, a red Solo cup is the last thing. That Mr. Freaking... Guns
1: and Gear sharing my death video.
0: Yeah, exactly, dude. Some of the videos he posts are so raw. I know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like drones have just come. So, I, I saw a video today, I think it was on... Uh, what was it? There's an Instagram channel, you know, Wars Today, or, it's one of those channels, but it was a Chinese quadcopter, or like, eight propeller copter, and it dropped off a robot dog with a gun on it. (laughs) So it was a drone dropping off a robot that had a machine gun on it.
1: I want to know if these machine gun dogs can be pushed over. I've seen this. I just want to kick it over, like hide in the corner of the room see if it can get back up or if it's like a turtle just kind of
0: i'm probably just gonna push it over with a freaking 762 or through it just yeah. shoot for the legs well gave. but i mean it it just shows like technology is getting to a point where it's like you got to start thinking about overhead cover now like um it, it's it's unreal man
1: and thermal you know hiding from thermals just the whole thing the whole aspect of the gambit of war of unrestricted warfare if it comes to our shores or something that, you know, Americans will see and whatever potentiality is there. Like it's, it's getting real. That's all I'll say. Like as far as around the world and seeing, okay, this is a capability. This is happening someplace, which means it could happen here.
0: Yeah. Dude. Thinking about all of the different things that you need to start getting those brain juices flowing for drone, Counter-counter drone stuff. Like, by that, I mean, like like you said, overhead cover, camouflage, learning camouflage, concealment. Thinking about seaburn. Like, as much as we hate it, I hate it in the military, seaburn is super important. Like, yep. especially with all these nuclear words getting thrown around there. Um, you know, getting a gas mask. And also, so if you, like, we're affiliates with Mirror Safety, so if you guys are interested, go check the, our Instagram link, or uh, we'll actually probably have the Mirror Safety link in this uh, episode as well in the description, but go look at gas masks. They're honestly not that expensive for what they provide. Um, it's the one thing that you never need until you do, and then you have, it's the most important thing in the world. Um, but they also sell them for kids. Um, they sell stuff for... They sell hazmat suits for like 100 bucks. You know, like, you can get these things within... You know, you can obviously save up, but it is... It is... You're able to get it. And I think the shelf life on these things is like 25 years. So having those types of things, that type of equipment, having your armor... You know, going to AT Armory and getting a good set of plates, getting, getting good boots, getting freaking moleskin from Walmart, building your little boo-boo kit, um, having dude wipes in your bag so when you take a dump, you're not using leaves, you know, stuff like that. Like those small little things to help make sure that when things do happen, not only can you survive, but you can have a little bit, of, a few comforts, but also you're kind of covering as many bases as you possibly can right now, I think is going be super. It's just something that you should start preparing for now.
1: Oh yeah. My gas mask game needs to, to get up. I, uh, I have an older, I don't even remember which one I have one. That's, it was like the, it was like the desert storm iteration one. I just bought yeah. I need to get, I think Mira has the, uh, maybe it's the seven, the one with the circular eye cups. That one's nasty. I want to get my hands on one of those.
0: Yeah. So they actually just sent us that one and it's nice, man. I, I mean, we just tried shooting with it. And, um, like, if you got real tall mounts or like a dot on top of your optic, um, it's super easy. There's not You don't have to have a super ridiculous cant on the rifle to be able to see the sight. Um, and it's actually pretty soft. Like, it was easy to breathe through. I think a little bit easier than the other masks that we're using in the military, the newer ones. Um, but, like, there's all kinds of stuff. Like, you can even get a forced air hose breather filter thing that literally forces air into your mask. You're not freaking hyperventilating and getting claustrophobic in that thing. That's but.
1: high speed right there. That's, like...
0: Yeah, man. That's high speed and selling
1: it, that to civilians, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it? Dude, it's awesome. I love that. I think you should, as a citizen, you should, I mean, I'm I'm super all about the Second Amendment. So, like, you should be able to own anything.
1: I agree. It's your right. I agree. It is your right. Just, yeah. It's illegal to do things already with those. So, just don't do those and you can own whatever you want, right? Like. Exactly, dude. Exactly. But,
0: yeah, man, contingency planning. Um, any, any last uh, parting notes for people to start thinking about? And start mentally masturbating over?
1: Mm. I'm always mentally masturbating over the worst case scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Of like I just it's the pattern recognition of um uh, mm. if if I was a nefarious nation state or, you know, group of nation states, right? Would I take advantage of us if we get caught up in a a nuclear exchange or something with Russia, or if we put all of our stake over there onto that side of the, the world, will China, will they take advantage of that? Um, mm. and, and I think about it, I'm like, will they have a better chance to? Maybe not. Maybe yeah. it's the best chance that they get anytime soon. And just looking at the logistics behind that, it's like, that's a it used to be one of the i'd say it was the least likely possibility two years ago and and i would tell people like what blue helmets coming here or like china invading and now it seems like a a looming possibility uh maybe higher than a lot of other possibilities in my mind Mm, yeah yeah
0: yeah i mean like you said situational awareness and and some you know parting channels to really recommend to help you with that situational awareness. Another one is like I said, S2 Underground. Um, You know, there's a lot of um, conflict and news pages on Instagram that you can actually check that they, they put out some content almost daily. Um, I also, I'll throw out Redacted. I like Redacted. Um, That's a good channel on YouTube to go check out and they do daily reports as well, um, as well as the Canadian Prepper. Um, But, you know, just staying up to date with news and keeping your awareness high at a healthy level and kind of also going back to, that goes back to, you know, my preparedness, but being mentally fit, man, like get your spirit right with the Lord and make sure that you're spiritually fit.
1: Um, Taboris Rex is a good one as well. Dude. Yes. I was just, did you see his one about Ezekiel? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sh- I, shared, uh, <laughs> I shared that one with uh, another of my social media groups that I'm in and yeah, man. that one hit home. That was a yeah. If you guys are believers,
0: go you're read talking Ezekiel. about the scroll,
1: right? Are yes,
0: me? the scroll. What chapter was that? Or
1: not the scroll, the roll. Excuse me. The roll. Um, hold on, it's in my history here.
0: Yeah. So he, if you're in the Bible, it talks in Ezekiel it talks about the rolls and the eternal flame inside of this roll, and how it will cause destruction and fire and brimstone. It will leave like he's literally Ezekiel describing a nuke. Um, and it's crazy. It's in the Bible, like nuts. Yeah. When Tiberius Rex posted that, I was
1: like, my jaw hit the floor. I don't know why I can't, as soon as I go look for it, I can't find it. But yeah, that was, uh, just hearing it from the point of somebody who wouldn't understand what it was or have the language to explain it. It's kind of Mm -hmm. insane. It's like, there's add that to the coincidence pile. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly, dude. Exactly, man. But yeah, get spiritually fit, get mentally fit, um, and also make make sure like for me, and this is how I'm doing it because I'm taking it to heart. Is every day with my family is a blessing and a gift, and no matter what happens, you're not promised tomorrow. So live life as if it was your last, you know, and, and enjoy your family and and cherish those those relationships.
1: That's right. That's the that's the most critical thing, you know. The most important yeah. things, those little ones, are that that woman that lays down next to you every night.
0: Yep. Yep. Live in the moment, man. Live right
1: now. Um, but yeah, um, where can, uh, folks check you out, man. Over on, uh, YouTube. I try, I've been trying to post there as much as I can. Risky, Krisky, and then, uh, Instagram risky, Krisky. This it's pretty much where I, my handles across the board. Just search, yeah. search there. Cool, man.
0: well, uh, if you guys are watching, go follow those channels, Risky Krisky on YouTube and Instagram. Also, you're probably already following our Instagram, but if not, go check out our Instagram, also our YouTube channel. And, uh, we're going to be pushing out a lot more episodes on Spotify with guests. Um, I'm going to try and at least do one or two a week, but, um, yeah, dude, we're going to have to have you back on again because, uh, usually these recordings only last like an hour, an hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes and... <laughs> We're pushing an hour forty five, so
1: that's how you know it's a good one. And you kept me out of going down the rabbit holes, too. <laughs> dude, I tried because I'll go down there. I'll go, i was. will go down there with door. you. We, don't do it. Don't do
0: it. I'll I'll go down there with you, man, and we'll be freaking drinking tea with Alice. Oh, it's but, okay. Yeah. That's probably why we had to set, record this one again
1: because we might have gone yeah, exactly. a little too
0: far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, but it was super spicy, man. I loved it. It was. Yeah, we got to do this again for
1: another time. Another time. Absolutely.
0: All right, guys. Well, hey, make sure you guys stay prepared out there. Like I said, um, train, spend every time that you have with your family and your loved ones, live in the moment, and also always be ready. But until we see you on the next one, thanks for checking out this episode on Hatchet Cast, and we'll see you around. All right.